In part two of our series on Rajneesh Puram, we'll take a look at some of Bhagwan's more ludicrous beliefs and discuss the cult's move to the United States. While in the U.S., the cult began having issues with the neighboring town. We'll talk about how this led to bioterrorism, an assassination plot, and how this opened the eyes of government officials. Finally, we'll learn about the arrests of Bhagwan and his number two, Sheila. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're like me, one of your favorite things on this show is hearing Ian say beaver. Well, stick around. It's going to be a good night. This is Necronomapod. The Bhagwan had a question for you. He said, somewhere here in Switzerland, tucked away in some bank accounts, he has lost over $40 million American. He doesn't know how to count money. Why did you poison his Garden of Eden? I poisoned his Garden of Eden. He says you tried to poison his doctor, his dentist, his caretaker, that one of your assistants jabbed his doctor. <laughs> jabbed his doctor in the butt with a poison needle. <laughs> That's very nice. Did she do a good job? The doctor apparently is still alive. Then obviously she didn't do a good job. And I guarantee if she was my assistant, she would have done a good job. It's really weird. Um, like for all the the shitty people and shitty topics and horrific things that we cover, there's always really random things that like when I'm reading the notes, I start to feel like my blood boiling and I get pissed like um, Nexium and Keith Ranieri. Like that was, I was ready to fucking throw hands with him just yeah. reading the notes for that. Like if he was in front of you, you would have whooped his volleyball playing ass. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not I'm not a, a, a an aggressive individual. I'm not a violent person. Well, except if girls <laughs> don't show their titties when you're playing. Uh, <laughs> playing uh, yeah, we're not we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna delve any more into that one. We'll leave it at that. That's flip, not that is up. That is was it flip cup? What am I trying to say here? That is slightly out of context. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. That is not true. And I was not aggressive or violent in any way. Did you punch a hole in the wall? Well, that was not with for a woman, and not, that was a beer pong incident. Beer pong. I, yeah. I, I don't like. I kept thinking flip cup. But you're mixing up multiple <laughs> stories here. And you're painting me into a bad picture there, Palomino. That's oh, my job. Also, I aimed at a wall, not a person. <laughs> Point is, had Keith Raniere been standing there, it might have been aimed at him. Right. Fair enough. Reading the notes today and about this Sheila character, I wanted to polywop her so bad. <laughs> She's reading a, the notes. She's a bit of a twat, if I'm if I'm being honest. Yeah. You should watch videos of her. She's Mm-mm. quite intense. Although I, I did try to look up her nudies. Not available. No? You can't find them anywhere. Bullshit. I was looking at them. <laughs> did you find them? What are you talking about? Let's see. Are you sure? Well, because I even found a Reddit page that said, how are, like, why were these pulled from everywhere? You can't find them. All I found was the cover. So where you were, you were looking at shopped pictures of, uh, I don't think Ma so. Anon, Sheila. Well, I actually watched a, uh, a, a 60 minutes, Australia clip. Yeah. And there's so much cooler in Australia. Well, they showed show all it. the pictures on oh, all okay. of her, her nudies. I was just looking for images. Yeah. Wild, I should have clicked the videos. Wild Wild Shut Country up. shows it. Like they have a, the magazine spread. Oh, there See? you go. That's what they showed on 60 Minutes. I pulled some audio clips on uh, 60 Minutes, too. All right. Yeah. If anyone can find those images, though, send them our way. Couldn't find them anywhere. 
I remember one person, <laughs> one person posted like it was, I think it was on Reddit. Someone had put like, how are these pictures not available anywhere? And then people were just, you know, being Reddit uh, commenters hmm. about how she's, you know, no one wants to see him cause she's a cunt anyways. And you know, whatever. <laughs> well, your porn game is weak this, uh, <laughs> this day, I guess. <laughs> Mine. Yeah. Well, you didn't find it either. You watched a damn documentary. <laughs> I didn't find all of them, but you can find a couple of them. I want to see. Let's pull them up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyways, she's not uh not a good person. No. That was all I had. You don't have to pull. You don't have to. <laughs> it's all right. I didn't think we were pausing to pull them. <laughs> I had nothing else to talk about. It's kind of the end of my train. So anyways, Sheila allegedly posed nude. I'm not That's buying nice. It. I have a good body. That's the clip from. Uh, That's nice. I have a good body. That's what she said about her nude clips. I have a good body. All right. And then she said. What can I say? Tough titties. Tough titties. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Tough titties. <laughs> Is that all from the documentary? It's from the 60 minutes <laughs> clip I watched. I'm like, that's pretty funny. I'm going to pull that. <laughs> Tough titties. <laughs> that's staying on the soundboard. You're going to run out of space. Pretty quick. <laughs> so where we left off on part one, Ma Anand Sheila had organized a plan to move the ashram that Bhagwan had built out of India into the United States. Tensions between Bhagwan and the Indian government had been building for a while due to Bhagwan's controversial ideas about sex and marriage, but it wasn't only just that. I feel like in part one, we didn't show enough of Bhagwan's dark side. He had the homophobic opinions and the violent yoga meditation stuff, but he had some really extreme opinions on birth control, eugenics, and euthanasia that the Indian government did not love. Nor did I. Here's one of the pics. <laughs> yeah, actually, while he was talking, I, I, I found three of them. I okay. found three of them. Apparently, I was so searching the wrong thing. Apparently, putting in her name and typing naked photos does not uh, come up as well as typing in uh, nude photos. Oh, I used Harry Beaver 1985. <laughs> and that was the first thing that came up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Miss Harry Beaver 1985. That's what it was. I'm glad anyone was paying attention to that paragraph that I just read. <laughs> Both of you are lucky. I heard all about it. <laughs> I heard it. Yeah. Talking about his shitty beliefs. So Bhagwan spoke a ton about the dangers of overpopulation and advocated for universal forced contraception and abortions in situations, which a lot of forced abortions happened within this group. That's common in cults. We've heard that before. Yeah. And a big thing with him, too, was just kids in general um, didn't really want much to do with them. Hmm. Kids were not welcome to Rajneesh Perm. They did not have any cash to sign over to him. Correct. Served no purpose. (laughs) There were a a good portion of the membership were uh, were women and most of them had families and they just left their families behind their kids and everything. Mm. There was a, an article I was reading about just the whole women's aspect to this cult. Like why, like the psychology behind what he was offering that pulled women in. Mostly women, huh? Yeah. So Baguan had trouble getting a blue chew sponsorship as well. <laughs> Kid that sweet fucking beard though. That's what brought the ladies in. They love the beard. 
I'm telling you, there's something about that guru look with the million dollar watch yeah. just added and walking around yeah. praying. Getting out of your Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so according to Baguan, quote, one has no right to knowingly inflict a lifetime of suffering. Life should begin only at birth. And even then, if a child is born deaf, dumb, and we cannot do anything, and the parents are willing, the child should be put to eternal sleep rather than take the risk of burdening the earth with a crippled blind child. Oh, that's not great. No. Bad Bhagwani. That's not <laughs> terrific. <laughs> He argued that doing this freed that soul to inhabit a healthy body instead. He said, quote, only the body goes back into its basic elements. The soul will fly into another womb. Nothing is destroyed. If you really love the child, you will not want him to live a 70 year long life in misery, suffering, sickness, old age. So even if a child is born, if he is not medically capable of enjoying life fully, with all the senses healthy, then it's better he goes to eternal sleep and is born somewhere else with a better body. You guys just want to forget Baloney Bhagwani and have an abortion debate on the show tonight instead? <laughs> I'm not sure it'd be much of a debate. <laughs> this, guy's, uh, this guy's got some interesting views. He said that the decision to have a child should be a medical decision and that oversight of population and genetics should be kept in the world of science, but still be acted on. He said, quote, if genetics is in the hands of Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, what will be the fate of the world? Once we know how to change the program, thousands of possibilities open up. We can give every man and woman the best of everything. There is no need for anyone to suffer unnecessarily. Being retarded, crippled, blind, ugly, all these will be possible to change. So is he for or against the three dictators? I'm not, I'm not sure. Seems like his ideas kind of line up yeah, a bit. Right. <laughs> Hitler was big on eugenics too, buddy. These uh, sentences make me very uncomfortable to hear them spoken. Yeah. Well, and that's why I felt like on part one, we just kind of, we had that violent yoga thing, but we, we left it as like, well, he's not the worst cult leader ever. Like this is, you know, a lot of just kind of free love stuff going on here. Nothing. Yeah. Like the violence and the yoga kind of cancel themselves out. Like you're calm after your fist fight or something. <laughs> It's like, you'll be, all right. you'll be all right. Get get two people to do yoga, calm them down, and then let them fist fight. And that'll just be fun. <laughs> the laziest fight ever. <laughs> like those videos you see online of like two old men fighting, but like they don't, they, like one of them swings and just falls to the ground. <laughs> They're so relaxed. They can't even stand up anymore. Oh, right. Billy part one, he was, he's not the worst cult leader we've ever talked about. Agreed. You yeah. know, but he was talking some pretty uh, extreme shit. Like I'm much more comfortable with Jim Jones early sermons than this fucking clown with, with this stuff. Yeah. So back to the ranch, they bought the ranch in June of 1981 and Baguan showed up on August 29th using a temporary visa citing religious reasons. The property was 64,229 acres and previously known as the big muddy ranch. And when they bought it, they renamed it Rancho Rajneesh. To get the idea of how big 
64,000 acres is. Um, the ranch stretched across two counties, Wasco and Jefferson. And those two counties are, are you know, it's going to play into issues later in this story, but it, a massive fucking ranch. Mm. Did they do any branding? Cause that'd be cool. RR branding for Rajneesh ranch. Mm. Kind of like a uh, pretty sweet Nexium. Yeah. <laughs> RR. When they first bought the ranch, they told neighboring ranches and people in the closest town, which was called Antelope, that they were going to be setting up an agricultural operation. And for context at the time, Antelope had 60 people living in it. So very small town. However, within a year, it was clear Baguan and Sheila's intentions were to build a town or a small city and relations with the people of Antelope went south real quick. Can you imagine some of these antelopes when these clowns roll in the town? They're like, <laughs> you ain't taking over our town, Baguani. Well, and the thing too is like, they're not, if we're going to talk about Ma Nod Sheila's opinion of these people later, but they weren't like backwoods, like hillbilly, like West Virginia type people. They're, it was like a, just a small ranching community. More like re- I, I watched some of that documentary, like people that their retirement homes and stuff, right? Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then these, they just you roll in there. Oh my God. With the fucking Rolls Royces and <laughs> diamond watches. And, and everyone's wearing somewhere between orange and maroon right. clothing. And when I say small city, like that's what they were aiming to build in a matter of three years, they turned the ranch from an empty property into a city of around 7,000 people with things like a fire department, police department, restaurants, malls, townhouses, a 4,200 foot airstrip, uh, a public transport system using buses, a sewage plant, a reservoir and a post office with the zip code 97741. 97741 being the zip code for their official city, Rajneesh Puram. They legally incorporated and met Oregon standards to form a city. How crazy is that? It's fucking nuts to even to watch it be built too. Like they wasted no time starting to build that city. Mm. Oh, they had the cash for sure. Couldn't Jim Jones do something like this? What if he just made his own city? He tried. I mean, in the United States, though. Oh, no. He didn't want anything to do with the United States. No, I'm just saying. CIA would have killed him, Mike. He wanted that socialist life, that utopia. That wasn't happening here. Probably not. (laughs) Just trying to make conversation. (laughs) (laughs) The actual population was a lot higher than 7,000. And this is where we get into that stuff we talked about in part one that they were conducting the largest immigration fraud operation in the U S so how it would work was to grow their population and have the ability to have members vote in local elections. They would have a sannyasa living in Rajneesh Purim. That was a U.S. citizen fly to some random city to meet another sannyasa who was from another country. These two would get some part-time jobs, live a day-to-day life for some time take a bunch of pictures like they were a real couple. Then they would go to immigration offices and say, we're going to get married. We're in love. And the non-citizen would be issued an extended visa. After they got the extended visas, 
Bosanyasas would be back on a plane to Rajneesh Purim, and then they would just go about their lives separately. And it was like an ever flow of this happening. That's wild. I think it's a lot harder now to do that. There's different rules. I wonder how many of those 7,000 people, like what was the breakdown of actual U.S. citizens versus, say, foreign nationals versus illegal immigrants there? I wonder. You'll never find out, but I'm curious what that number would be, what that breakdown is. Hmm. A lot of of Canadian people that join this, yeah. Well, they're not voting in our elections. (laughs) (laughs) I forbid it. So now we're in 1982. Rajneesh Purim is officially a city in Oregon, and the people of Antelope were not happy. There were a few groups set up by locals to fight back against Rajneesh Purim, but the most vocal and successful was the Thousand Friends of Oregon. Thousand Friends publicly called for the city to be demolished because it violated Oregon land use laws. Lawyers for Thousand Friends went after the sewer system that was built for Rajneesh Purim. In their opinion, the sewer system was illegal and closing that would set the ball in motion to close down Rajneesh Purim. Hmm. And Thousand Friends became the uh, the leading thing because one of the guys that owns a ranch that's on like neighbors with Rajneesh Purim. Yeah. His dad was the co-founder of Nike Shoes. Oh, no shit. So he did a lot of, um, I guess you could say, campaigning or spreading the message about there's something weird happening okay. here. Did you know that John Wayne was the spokesperson for that Thousand Friends group? Really? Yeah. I heard one of their uh, campaign commercials. So the guy, co-founder of Nike and John Wayne. They hired John Wayne. He's like, look here, Pilgrim. <laughs> We're not going to have any of that Rashawani Yoga Bhagwani taking over our town. We're going to move you right the fuck out of here. <laughs> anyway, I saw that on YouTube. I think, yeah. Thank you for pulling that clip. Yeah, sure, no problem. Stuff. And you know what they said back to John Wayne? What can I say? Tough titties. <laughs> So this is this this cult will not be having a mass suicide wearing Nike shoes. Safe to say. <laughs> Safe to say. Probably Adidas. Really, stick it to them. Yeah, Reebok maybe. Yeah. So was it Phil? Is Phil Knight? Isn't that the Nike guy? Was it his dad or the other guy? Is there uh, another guy? The other guy. Yeah. I can't remember. Whoever, whoever, whichever one was the one to figure out that like the waffle iron could make the basketball sole. Oh, okay. Like that waffle iron shape. Yeah. 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 Hey. But yeah, his son just, yeah, he owned a, owned a ranch neighboring. Mm. He's like, not a lot of people know that. He was like, I just like to keep to my yeah, myself, right. you know, but something real fucking weird's happening. Clearly. <laughs> it seemed like no one in Oregon politics were willing to listen or pay attention. They just kind of brushed it off. So in March 1982, local residents formed a group called Citizens for Constitutional Cities and filed a petition that would order the governor, quote, to contain, control, and remove the threat of an invasion by an alien cult. (laughs) That language might not go over that great. Tensions were rising in this area fast, and Ma Anand Sheila was extremely vocal and very aggressive. 
in the documentary, a lot of people compare her to a dictator and they specifically say Hitler. And you can easily see that in videos of her. But this all really came to a head when the people of Antelope were able to deny a business permit for Rajneesh Purim's mail order operation. In retaliation, Sheila started buying houses and property in Antelope and then moving sannyasins into the town. Can you imagine how pissed these fucking people that lived in Antelope had to be? Yeah, oh you, my God. They're just, and then yeah. they just start buying up houses. I'm going to look this up real quick. That's an issue here right down the road or was an issue a couple years ago. Um, Restored Church of God in Wadsworth. I think we talked about those guys before. Yeah, their buildings right down not far from here. They were accused, uh, I think it was like in 2012, I read, of buying up houses in Wadsworth and people were getting, some some people cited Mm. this case saying somebody needs to kind of put a check on them. Bring John Taffer in and shut it the fuck down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What can you do though? Yeah. I mean, you can't prevent private sales of property. If they're going to give them enough money, people are going to sell. Oh, John will shut them down. Yeah. You ever watch that show? Come on. I, uh, once he twice, shuts I every think. one of those fucking bars down. <laughs> that place in down oh, the so you road be here. Careful. You're going to have a, a hit out on you talking what? about that church too much. Oh, yeah. The one down the road. Yeah. <laughs> what were they called? The restored fu- church of fucko, God. Fuckos of God. Yeah. <laughs> They have armed security out front there. It's a little strange. It's a have an multi deck, so <laughs> multi million dollar building. I've, I've never there? actually been out there or have seen it. Have you? Been no, I've not seen it in person. Mm-hmm. No. Field trip. Go to the Wadsworth Tavern and then we'll go oh, hop uh, over. Wadsworth Tavern. I like that place. Good place. Yeah, I've, I read some accounts of people that like went to pull into the the driveway to back or you know just to turn around or something armed security immediately just starts walking down you know you have something to hide when armed security comes at you just for turning around the driveway (laughs) in wadsworth in wadsworth ohio (laughs) (laughs) i wonder do they welcome visitors maybe they don't i say we go get drunk at the wadsworth tavern and go check out the mass one morning I was with you. Just, how about just the first Mike's half like, of that? No. How about just the that. first half of that sentence? Also, you had me then. At that, give, we'll get drunk and I'll fucking do whatever. I want to do some investigation? Go, go, yeah. go to church service over there. Stumble on in, yeah, because we'll get past armed security. They're far, they're fairly well known too. Rick Ross has a section about them mm. on his called on the Cult Institute's website. Is that on the Hustlin' album? What's that, Rick Ross? <laughs> I'll let you figure that one out. Speaking of Rick Ross, did you see that drone video of his estate no. in Georgia? Oh, man. Fucking cool as hell. Did you see that the other day? It's in Fayetteville, I think. Of course I haven't, Dave. Oh. <laughs> what, what is this now? Rick Ross is a Fayetteville, big mansion. Georgia. Oh, because that's where the Chris Benoit tragedy yeah. happened. I'm up to on all their news. <laughs> I don't know why you got to be so hostile. Are you talking about now? Because now I'm confused because we're making jokes. Rick Ross, the rapper or Rick Ross, the uh, the uh, alien guy, the the, the, the rapper. Mike. OK, what happened? And the other one's not the alien guy is the cult guy. Sorry. I just said there was a, I saw a cool video, a drone video of his his cool estate oh, okay. on all those acres okay. in Georgia the other day. I get all my news from Baller Alert on, on Instagram. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry I saw that. All right. <laughs> 
I'm like, God damn, that Rick Ross <laughs> crib looks awesome. Yeah. Probably one that hurts your feelings when you look at <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So to kind of fight back, the city of Antelope held a vote to disincorporate themselves in April of 1982. There were a handful of people who would not sell their houses to Sheila. So the thought was that they would rather just kill Antelope and then be taken over. I like it. Burn yourself down. Yeah, they're like, fuck it. Love it. it. The mayor, I felt, you know, you see video and stuff from back then. The mayor, she's like in tears, but she's like, fuck it. Burn this shit down if they're just going to take it. But by this time, Rajneesh Purim had enough people to outvote the measure. With nothing left to do, Antelope was renamed Rajneesh. All the street names were changed and the Rajneesh Purim infrastructure expanded throughout what used to be Antelope. This meant people that wouldn't sell their houses were now subjected to live under the jurisdiction of the Rajneesh Purim Police Department, who called themselves the Peace Force. And this was a for real police department. They received state training because they were officially a city. And this is going to get real scary in a bit because it's a clear violation of church and state. That's terrifying. Yeah. And I don't really know what you can do about it. You know, they're a city. Yeah. They like get, what, how could you prevent that from people infiltrating the government? And, uh, it's quite a conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. Poor antelopes, antelopians. I'm going to go with antelopians. Sounds right. Okay. <laughs> and you know like the hostility in this town is getting crazy at this point and in june of 1983 hotel rajneesh was bombed which was a rajneeshi owned hotel in portland by the islamist militant group jamaat ul fukra sheila and the rest of the sannyasins thought for sure that a disgruntled person from what used to be antelope was behind the bombing but this just furthered tensions that were getting real close to hitting a breaking point. I read about that. It said the bomb blew up in the guy's hand when he was working with it. Oh, did it? In the hotel. He got 20 years. Serve four. Makes sense. Yeah. So because of the bombing as protection and as a public display of force, the Rajneesh Purim police force bought a fuck ton of semi-automatic weapons. Like, I'd say from the video, based on the video I saw, a bigger stockpile than David Koresh had out of Waco. Oh, they're the police. So they were all just posted up armed. Then people living in the surrounding ranches and all the people left over from Antelope were walking around with guns and it was getting extremely dangerous. There's news video of that with locals walking around with you know guns over their shoulder and they're like we're just waiting for waiting to see someone wearing red crazy yeah well i guess when a cult is has a police force that can detain you i'd be carrying fucking weapons too right yeah Oof. i don't blame them then a local guy who was pretty much protesting rajneesh Purim was arrested by the peace force for menacing which was the start of a wake-up call to some members of higher power in Oregon. Like, oh, wait, they can just fucking arrest somebody that doesn't agree with them on some real charges and throw them in jail. Yeah, not not acceptable. Because all this guy was saying was that he uh, he didn't like Baguan and any of this that was going on. He was being real vocal about it. 
Although our local police disagree with my point of view that I can have open containers when I'm in the passenger seat of the car. Yeah. But we just agree to live in peace. You've never been detained for that. <laughs> no, but I refuse well, to respect good. that rule. I find, it, <laughs> I find it immoral and ridiculous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're going to agree to disagree on my open container use. It's so nice of them they'll, to at least agree to disagree. <laughs> That's right. They're not just going to throw you in jail for it. <laughs> I commend them for that. Yeah. Good fellas. I want, are they aware of this arrangement you have with them? No, not really. No, <laughs> I'm gonna have to explain it to them one day, but hasn't happened yet. Oh, sorry. Look, <laughs> we agree to disagree. <laughs> you get in your car, I'm gonna get in my car, <laughs> and we'll both just go about our lives. That's how it's gonna go, sir. Turn around, and put your hands behind your back. <laughs> No, you don't understand. I'm not driving the car. What do you care? <laughs> I've never understood why you can't have open containers when you're the passenger. You can in Michigan, right? In a lot of states, you can. Yeah. Not here, though. Well, it's just dumb. I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> that law does not apply to me. <laughs> I pick and choose what laws apply to me. I know what's best for me. Thank you. Oregon attorney general david b fraunmeyer stepped in and argued that the city of rajneeshpuram was essentially an arm of a religious organization and that its incorporation violated the principle of separation of church and state later in 1983 a lawsuit was filed by fraunmeyer to invalidate the rajneeshpuram city incorporation and many attempts to expand the city further were legally blocked so Sheila is like, fine, if you want to, if you want to block expansion, I'll just get enough votes to take over the whole county. And that's when higher up politicians really started paying Wait, attention. They're like, uh, what? <laughs> they're going to try and take a whole county. <laughs> it's a good plan. Smart. In November 1984, two of the three county seats in Wasco County were up for reelection. And Sheila organized Sanyasin's to run for those seats to gain control of the county. Their first attempt to influence the election was the Share a Home program, where they transported thousands of homeless people to Rajneeshpuram, like took buses all around the country, east coast to west coast, and brought homeless people back to Rajneeshpuram and attempted to register them to vote. Again, it's not, it's not a bad idea. It's a good plan. It's smart thinking. I think elections are stolen that way, Dave. Are they? This one could have been. By like in yeah, like in razor margin, razor thin margin areas. What's the stop? What if you you know if you have endless amount of money, what's to stop you from offering you know twenty thousand people work from home jobs in another state or another whatever and get them to move there? You can swing elections that way. It's genius. We might have just started something. <laughs> what about the moral questions of that, Sheila? Can I say tough titties? <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> yeah, you know, like not talking negative against homeless people, um, but we've talked about in the past closing of state-ran mental health facilities in this country left left thousands and thousands of people with severe mental illness. With really two options, you're going to either be in jail or be homeless. 
or you're going to be, you know, it's going to be the, a cycle of the two. Inflating the Rajneesh Perm community with people who were addicted to drugs and or suffering from untreated mental illness was not a good idea. Yeah, in all seriousness, so that's horrible. Yeah, just to bring these people from yeah. multiple different cities just into the small location, the small town. Well, Ian, I'm sure they treated him well after they got there. So let's, oh, yeah. uh, let's continue. They made an attempt to mass treat all these people by serving beer. <laughs> well, I guess they were treated. I'm in. Right? <laughs> what do you want me to vote for? <laughs> we said they didn't drink, but they had no issue serving beer to this influx of homeless people that they brought in. Thing was with this beer is that they were drugging it in hopes of keeping what they called the troublemakers in line. Like, spoiler alert, you cannot just mass medicate people. There's tons of psych drugs on the market, and it can take a long time to find a combination that works for someone. And then there's people that didn't even need any form of psych things. They were just homeless. Like, there are some people here that were not addicted to drugs, weren't mentally. They were just homeless. Yeah. It, but there's video of people. They're like, oh, yeah, the beer's real good here because it probably made them fucking pass out, depending on what it was. Uh, heroin beer. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a Kolsch? Ale ale? Yeah, it's, a, it's a Kolsch. <laughs> it's quite tasty. At the same time, Wasco County fought back against these people being able to vote that they were not residents of Oregon long enough to register to vote in an election like that. So when this plan failed, Sheila just started kicking them out of Rajneesh Purim by force, leaving the surrounding area flooded with homeless people who were not from there, just completely displaced. It's complete insanity. Yeah. Was Bill Bongwani, was he aware of this uh, plan? Well, we'll see what mm. he's up to. He's on that, that four-year silence thing. Oh, yeah. Tell you what, he's on my polywop list, too. <laughs> Fuck that guy, too. <laughs> yeah. Fuck him. Sheila then moved to a plan to get the community of the Dow's Oregon sick, where most of the voters in the county lived, to sway the election. Twelve Rajneesh Purim members were involved in plots to use biological weapons, and at least 11 involved in the planning to make them. Four of them were actually involved in actually developing the bacteria at Rajneesh Purim Medical Laboratory, and at least eight members helped spread the bacteria. This story's almost unbelievable. Yeah. How crazy it is. This seems like a fucking movie. Like yeah, this right. is not this does not seem like something really that could happen. Not in a US of A. Am I right, Mike? <laughs> One would think, Dave. <laughs> stories like this, they fail us. Yeah. The main planners of the attack included Sheila and Diane Onage, the secretary treasurer of the Rajneesh Medical Corporation. They purchased salmonella bacteria from a medical supply company in Seattle, Washington. Which I didn't realize you can just buy stuff like that. A bag of salmonella to go, please. (laughs) (laughs) And staff cultured it in labs within Rajneesh Purim. They contaminated the produce at salad bars as a trial run. The group also tried to introduce pathogens into the Dow's water system. <laughs> they learned that beavers were they learned that beavers are very problematic for water contamination and the spread of disease when introduced to a water supply. 
Ian, are you stating here now that unclean beavers can spread disease? Is that your official position? They caught a bunch of beavers and tried <laughs> to squeeze. They're not that hard to catch them life, and you just got to go on a beaver hunt. So the way the filtration system was set up was like there were these small openings that the water went into and they tried to jam these beavers through, but they wouldn't fit. <laughs> so, so they ground up a bunch of beavers, like basically threw them into, I don't know if it was like a wood chipper or what. They just ground up a bunch of beavers <laughs> and dumped them into the water system, but it didn't work out. The story thankfully. just gets r- more ridiculous. Everything. <laughs> Well, Mike, you're an expert in pulverizing pulverizing beavers. <laughs> How does that process work exactly? I don't have enough time to explain it all. Too. Sometimes it just comes naturally. Sometimes those beavers are just too big, right? It happens. There's big beavers out there. Yeah, they just don't fit sometimes. <laughs> Two visiting Wasco County commissioners were infected by glasses of water containing salmonella bacteria during a visit to Rajneeshpuram on August 29th, 1984. Both of these guys got really sick and one of them was hospitalized. After this was seen as a success, members of Sheila's team spread salmonella on produce and grocery stores, on doorknobs and urinal handles in the county courthouse. But this still didn't get the amount of people sick that they were hoping for. In September and October 1984, they contaminated the salad bars of 10 local restaurants with salmonella, infecting 751 people. 45 of them were hospitalized, and thankfully everyone survived. And that ranged from infant to, I think the oldest was 87 years old. Mm. Yeah, I saw that uh, maybe a a baby hat they didn't think was going to survive. Yeah, they almost killed a newborn over this. I got salmonella poisoning from wings years and years ago. I've never been so goddamn sick in my life. Really? awful. Couldn't take a teaspoon of water, nothing. Just laid laid in bed, looked at the ceiling for two days. Dry heaving. It was unbelievable. If I find out someone did that purposely, I'd fucking murder them. You'd polywop them. I'd polywop them, Mike. (laughs) How they did this was one member hiding a plastic bag containing a light brown liquid with salmonella bacteria would either spread it all over the food at a salad bar or pour it into salad dressing. By September 24th, 1984, more than 150 people were extremely sick. And by the end of September, 751 cases were documented by an outside lab and determined that all of the victims were infected with the same strain of salmonella. Local people immediately suspected that Baguan's followers were behind all these poisonings. I'm sure they did. (laughs) Right. Like fucking obvious, right? The people of Wasco County had record turnout on election day to prevent the cult from winning any county positions making this whole thing unsuccessful like all this work that sheila was doing but they still did a lot of damage the outbreak cost local restaurants hundreds of thousands of dollars and health officials shut down the salad bars causing those restaurant owners or at least some of them to never be able to fully financially recover 
Yeah, like, would you go out to dinner after that? No way. Mm. You'd never be sure. I guess my other thought on this is elections usually the first Tuesday in November. Like, what's the point of poisoning people in September and October? Like, they think they were going to be sick for months on end? Like, generally, past the salmonella. You're not going to be in bed for months. Yeah. I don't understand this plan all the way. Perhaps I didn't think it through. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe this was the test run. Mm. This works. We'll try it again late October. Yeah. Putting kids Halloween candy and whatnot. Oh, man. It's very sinister, this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Really terrible. It takes a really dark turn. Yeah. And it, it's almost seemed like pride towards when you, when it's getting to this point, when you watch like the videos of Sheila and local people on the news, it's like it almost seems like a pride thing to her at that at this mm. point in the story. Like, you're not going to fucking beat me. This county is mine. Yeah. They're going yeah. to be mine. She seems like that type of person for sure. Like because, Mike when he's playing beer pong. Yeah. And when he knocks beer all over cigarettes and cell phones. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the whole punch incident. You have to go back to the archives to hear that story. I don't even know which one that was on. Good luck. That was 2019. Vintage Necronomapod. Vintage. Right. So that whole mentality of just pride and anger over this whole situation caused Sheila to start planning the assassination of United States attorney for the district of Oregon, Charles Turner in the beginning of 1985. These two started investigating the immigration fraud operation that was being ran at Rajneesh Puram. And this resulted in Sheila organizing a hit list against Rajneesh Perum's perceived enemies. And at the top of the list was Charles Turner. I mean, I guess if you're going to poison a whole town, assassinating the U.S. attorney is not that big of a jump. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You probably have no moral hiccups about <laughs> taking out some politicians. Catherine Stork volunteered to be the follower who would actually murder Charles Turner and bought guns and silencers. Stork was known as Ma Shanti Badra and was also one of three in charge at Rajneesh Puram. Sally Ann Croft was known as Ma Prem Savita, an accountant and the group's chief financial officer. She was the one that provided money for the purchase of guns related to this plot. Ma Nanchila and three other sannyasas traveled to New York in the spring of 1985 to buy fake birth certificates, then used those fake birth certificates to buy guns. Two members of the group traveled to Texas to buy more guns, but had trouble getting them in Texas with out-of-state identification and traveled to New Mexico instead. Where They should go back there today. They won't have any trouble at all. <laughs> Well, in New Mexico, it was kind of like, you can get whatever you want. Mm. They had no trouble there. When Stork and Croft called Sheila after they failed in Texas, they testified that they were told, quote, not to come back without the guns. They then traveled back to Rajneeshpuram by bus to avoid metal detectors at airports. And they are, and like we said earlier, they had that stockpile of guns like Waco style but they wanted untraceable guns. They wanted something that could not be traced back to yeah, them. Yeah, for the hit, sure. Yeah. They do the ballistics on after they kill the guy, they're like, 
Oh, this came from a gun registered to the uh, Roger Purnham Police Department. The Peace Force. <laughs> right. That's weird. <laughs> it's also beaver hair on the gun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know how we feel about beaver hair on this show. <laughs> beaver. <laughs> when they got back, the group rented out an apartment in Portland to be their base of operations for this assassination. Eventually they got a hold of a college yearbook of Charles Turner's and figured out his license plate number and where he parked his car every day through his license plate number. They were able to get his home address. So several members of the group watched Charles Turner's office home and car and discussed ways to assassinate him. It's probably not too hard to look that up when you have the fucking police database on the Peace Force, right? Their plan was to shoot Charles in the garage of the federal office building where he worked. But they also debated on whether to murder Charles in downtown Portland or closer to his home. After spending multiple nights watching his house, they decided on the parking garage because they felt it would be too risky to murder him on the drive to or from work or in front of his home. They practiced different ways of murdering Charles, and one of them was to pretend that there was car trouble, and the others would then approach Charles Turner with their guns. They set the plan in motion, and in pure luck, Charles Turner did not go to the parking garage at his normal time that day and avoided being murdered. Sheila was then persuaded by members who got cold feet to abandon the idea and figure out a different way to stop the investigation. Seems like a lot of planning to just call it a day. Yeah, it's weird how it just it, it kind of just stops. Hmm. But they said like like an inch away from hmm. being assassinated. If he would have she would have just showed up. Yeah. If he would have stuck Crazy. to his normal schedule that day, he would have been shot. What were the other ways that they practiced murdering him? Like tickling him or reading him uh, Baguani speeches or something like that? <laughs> Bore him to death? Yeah, that's, how, that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about it in the documentary, right? Is that right? <laughs> one you watched? I don't know. I didn't watch They also attacked the Wasco County Planning Department office, which had all the files on disputes involving Rajneesh Param by setting the building on fire. The fire severely damaged the office and destroyed about half of the county's files, but it, this was not stopping the investigation. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Jeez. On February 28th, 1985, Congressman James H. Weaver gave a speech in the United States House of Representatives where he flat out said, I, I don't have concrete evidence, but I know damn well that people in Rajneesh Purim were behind a bioterrorist attack in Oregon. And he was pretty much laughed at. He knew. Yeah. Everyone there knew, I'm sure. Yeah. There's C-SPAN video of people like in the house, just mm. not really giving a fuck about what he's saying. Yeah, I'm sure. And then when this all comes to a head afterwards in the documentary, he's just laughing. He was like, it's like, I got to say, I told you so. He's like super old now. He's just fucking cracking up about it. <laughs> Good for him. Vindication. Yeah. Uh, well, somewhat. As these failures to stop the investigation kept happening and people like Congressman Weaver weren't giving up, Sheila just took off. 
on September 14th, 1985, Sheila and 20 other top officials just abruptly left Rajneeshpuram. People just woke up and they were all gone. The following week, Bhagwan broke his silence at a press conference and publicly accused Sheila and her team of committing crimes within and outside Rajneeshpuram, basically saying he was lied to this whole time, knew nothing about any of this stuff. Like he was in this spiritual silence period and Sheila was running everything. <laughs> Semina, what? I've been meditating <laughs> for four years. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't even know we had a medical lab here in Rajneeshpuram. When he talks about her, when he gives this press conference, you see like pure hatred <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like a, I got fucked over yep. hard. He's not happy camper. No, like pure hate in his like in his eyes with that and he eventually accuses her of stealing you know like tens of millions of dollars right yeah is there i never really saw definitive proof either way but it seems like she must have had access to a lot of this wealth in order just to go to the mat like this as hard as she was yeah so i don't know the smart thing for Baguan to do here would have been to just shut up and kind of see how things played out but like you said, Dave, accusing her of uh, stealing that much money, arson, wiretapping, attempted murder, mass poisoning. Like this gave the FBI full authority to investigate and obtain search warrants for everything within Rajneeshpuram. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of the stuff he's accusing her of is are federal crimes. So they're like, oh, yeah. OK, please sign this judge. We're going to head over to uh, <laughs> Bagwani's place. <laughs> The FBI found glass vials containing salmonella in the laboratory of Rajneeshpuram Medical Clinic. Testing by the CDC lab in Atlanta confirmed that the bacteria at Rajneeshpuram was an exact match to the one that's, that got people sick who had eaten at those local restaurants. The investigation also found experimentation at Rajneeshpuram with other poisons, chemicals, and bacteria that was described as a, quote, bacteriological freezer dryer for large-scale production of microbes. It's like getting to um, Shinrikyo territory. Yeah. And clearly they didn't cover their tracks, but maybe that was her plan to leave him holding the bag with all this. Just ditch him on yeah, it. Leave all the evidence. What can I say? Tough titties. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Rodney. <laughs> well, you know, there's this Sheila whole... Sheila <laughs> out. There's this whole thing going on at this time where there were already he always went after wealthy people. Like last week for the intro, I used the clip of him saying, I'm the rich man's guru. Mm -hmm. So there but there were people from like Hollywood coming in, like like more celebrity type people. Yeah. And one woman was starting to be allowed to have access to him. Like it was oh, starting to turn okay. where all these years Sheila had was like the one-on-one -on -one person. Then this other woman started getting access to him. And a lot of people think that that just kind of made like Sheila kind of snap a bit or something. And she just took off and stuck him with this. I could see that. Don't fuck where you cult, right? You got to keep that separate. <laughs> going to get spurned at some point. I think that goes against every single thing every cult has ever been true. That's why they always go down. <laughs> Was the Hollywood celebrity Farrah Fawcett by any chance? It was not. Okay. Why? 
She wasn't really a celebrity. I don't, I don't know. know. That's <laughs> just what popped in my head. <laughs> Didn't know if there was a connection. <laughs> no, I don't know. It was a share. It wasn't share either. I've never seen this it person been in my shared. life. <laughs> Mike's not convinced and you're shared or not. The FBI also found that every house, building, and phone in Rajneeshpuram were bugged and being recorded. Which, I, I mean, like if you wouldn't do that on your own in your private house, sure. But because Rajneeshpuram consisted of, or they were a city, they had stuff like the fire department and these public buildings that were being wiretapped and made it illegal. From the time Rajneesh Purim started to the day the FBI showed up with search warrants, everything was being recorded, making it the largest illegal wiretapping setting in U.S. history. Wow, that's nuts. Like they said, they worked gave them, a, worked themselves into a shoot. <laughs> the FBI gave them or said that I can't remember the number exactly, but they would have to employ this many agents eight hours a day for this long to get through all the tapes, like four years of. Oh, yeah, I'm sure non-stop recording every place in a small city how does that wiretapping compare to your frat house room mike which was the largest ass tapping <laughs> in history kind of similar scenario i would just say you can't prove it i wasn't fucking dumb enough to record it all because rajneesh Purim was this you know, actual city. They had a mayor. His name was Dave, David Knapp, AKA Swami Krishna Deva. <laughs> he turned state's evidence and gave the FBI everything he knew about the Salmonella attack. He said that Sheila told everyone, quote, she had talked with Bhagwan about the plot to decrease voter turnout in the Dallas by making people sick. Sheila said that Bhagwan commented that it was best not to hurt people but if a few died, not to worry. According to Knapp's testimony, Sheila played a tape for the inner circle of Bhagwan's muffled voice saying, quote, if it was necessary to do things to preserve the vision, then do it. And by Sheila in this group, this was interpreted to mean that murder in his name was fine. In other words, tough titties. <laughs> oh, you died? Tough titties. <laughs> New shirt, possibly. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Necronomicon. Don't like the show? Tough titties. <laughs> Bestseller. <laughs> On October 23rd, 1985, a grand jury indicted Beguan and several of his followers with conspiracy to evade immigration laws. The indictment was supposed to be kept secret, but word was leaked to Baguan's lawyer. The leak started negotiations to allow Baguan to surrender to the FBI in Portland, but an agreement couldn't be made. Rumors started going around about a National Guard raid to arrest Baguan, and fears were growing that this whole thing could end in a shootout. Based on some of Sheila's taped conversations, the FBI believed that there was a credible plan that women and children would have been used to create a human shield if or when the arrest of Baguan happened. That's fucked up. It's not great. <laughs> On October 28th, 1985, Rajneesh and a few of his sannyasins 
were arrested aboard a rented Learjet at a North Carolina airstrip. According to federal authorities, the group was on their way to Bermuda to avoid prosecution. He knew he was going to be arrested. Like, he got word that this was going to happen. It sounds like it. The guy, the son of the Nike co-owner, the FBI talked to him and they said, if you see anything weird happening around here, you know, let us know. But we're going to be coming in to arrest him. And he said he was out like, you know, riding his horse on his ranch, kind of patrolling stuff. He was like, he just sees a jet take off from Rajneesh Purim. Wow. And he called the FBI. He's like, hey, you know, you said you wanted me to call if anything weird happened. Well, they just took off in a jet. Damn. So they were monitoring the jet going across the United States and they were trying to play it out. Like they were mapping out where they could possibly refuel, like where all the locations Mm. were. And they were organizing the FBI to those locations across the country, waiting for them to eventually land to get more gas or fuel. I'm thinking they maybe should have went uh, a different way. Maybe flew through Mexico and the Cayman Islands or something. The entire not, okay, not across <laughs> the U.S. Maybe go south and back up to like Bermuda. Almost, almost furthest point to furthest point. <laughs> like. But yeah, it was interesting to see how to listen to the guy that arrested him to uh, yeah. kind of lay out how it is. Yeah, how just vast the FBI you know went across the country. Mm. So when he was arrested, $58,000 in cash, as well as 35 watches and bracelets that were worth a combined $28 million were found on the plane. Uh, Ian, we just got a fax from a listener. They want to know if that million dollar watch was accounted for. So I'm reading, uh, getting or listening to Art Bell's story. So I got the uh, listener fax, fax on, on my mind. <laughs> or is it undisclosed? It's undisclosed. Okay. Probably hit it up his ass. Yeah. The FBI took the full 10 days legally available to transfer Baguan from North Carolina to Portland for his arraignment. And this just seemed like a big fuck you. Like they just bounced him around to different prisons. Like they just stopped off just gradually across the United States, booked him into a jail for the night and brought him back out. Mm. Took him on a 10 day plane trip across the United States. Like you like 10 different pound me in the ass prisons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you like evading capture on your Learjet? Make some stops on the way back. How much does it cost to rent a Learjet, by the way? That sounds fun. Yeah, that'd be a good time. What am I doing that? <laughs> All right, you guys set it up. I'll be there. <laughs> you guys want to go to Vegas? Tell me, tell me when to show up. <laughs> After initially pleading not guilty to all charges and being released on bail, Baguan, on the advice of his lawyers, entered an Alford plea to one count of having a hidden agenda to permanently stay in the United States at the time of his original visa in 1981 and one count of having conspired to have sannyasas start those fake marriages to get a U.S. residency. Under the deal his lawyers made with the U.S. Attorney's Office, he was given a 10-year suspended sentence five years probation and a $400,000 penalty in fines and prosecution costs and agreed to leave the United States. Basically at the end of the day, all that stuff was formality. It was just get the fuck out of here and don't come back. seems pretty lucky. Very lucky. Mm. Like technically you're heading up a domestic terrorist organization that tried to murder a town. I don't know. (laughs) 
I'm not sure I'm buying your plausible deniability, pal. The Alfred plea is also one of my favorites, too, because it's like, Alfred plea. oh, I'm innocent, but that evidence doesn't <laughs> look very good That's against right. me. So Alfred plea <laughs> now. It's so weird. It is a strange thing. Yeah. Like the West Memphis three. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, I'm innocent. State's like, well, we have enough to convict you. They're like, yeah, Bye. you do. See you later. Still innocent, but okay. Walk out the front door. It's just so weird. Well, and it, it prevents them from uh, being like sued. sued. Yeah. yeah. I think is one of the main things. Bhagwan returned to India, landing in Delhi on November 17th, 1985. He was welcomed like a hero by his Indian followers, and he denounced the United States, saying, quote, the world must put the monster America in its place. Either America must be hushed up or America will be the end of the world. Then he got his ashram going again in Pune like nothing ever, nothing ever happened. It seemed okay while you were here, didn't it, fella? Yeah. Mm. Punk, punk bitch, Bhagwani. I don't want to keep adding an I to his name. It sounds, <laughs> sounds funnier in my head. Bhagwani. Like a swami. Bhagwan died on January 19th, 1990 at 58 years old at the ashram in Pune. What can I say? Tough titties. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that clip. <laughs> I think Mike's right. Sheila's going to be on the soundboard for a long time. <laughs> Did I say that? I thought you said that earlier. I said that. <laughs> Someone said it. <laughs> it's no lie. I just said based on, on Dave's only got eight buttons over there and he's got 15 things that are going to be on a soundboard for a long time. It's going to have to make some cuts eventually. Oh, there's five different screens, though, you can scroll through. I know, but do you know how to do that on that? Yeah. So a lot of times we, <laughs> we have to clean up when, when we hit a button and it's not the right one. I'm not saying I'm perfect, Mike. No one's perfect. <laughs> I'm forgiven, though. The official cause of death was heart failure, but a statement released by his followers said that Bhagwan died because, quote, living in the body had become hell after being poisoned in U.S. jails. For 10 days? <laughs> was he out on bond during the trial? Oh, it was. Actually, there wasn't a trial. He, no. pled, he pled out right away, so he didn't even sit in jail at all. Get the uh -huh. fuck out of here. It was just that trip. Yeah, 10, 10 days, right? Yeah. Get out of here. His ashes were put in a newly built bedroom at the ashram in Pune. The epitaph there reads, quote, never born, never died, only visited this planet Earth between December 11th, 1931 and January 19th, 1990. Uh, nowadays, Bhagwan is known as Osho, and his teachings are published worldwide in the movement it reestablished itself in this market of new religions and kind of new age movements. His followers redefined everything to make them appear less controversial to people on the outside. The Osho international foundation runs stress management seminars for corporate clients like IBM and BMW and they report a revenue of between 15 and 45 million a year in the U.S. Slightly less than us. <laughs> it's still a very... Uh, it's unbelievable. Baguan is still a very successful idea. What's the Osho? Where did that come from? Just uh, rebranding after he's dead? Yeah. Postmortem name change for them? 
felt it was in their best interest. <laughs> like, man, let's change that guy's name. Uh, so it doesn't match the town in Oregon where they killed her, tried to kill everyone. That's <laughs> a little bad for business when they do the Google search on what firm to have our seminars. Because this isn't a really well-known story, it's not like a Jonestown or, yeah. or something like that. Before I knew anything about this, if I walked into a bookstore, because they show in the documentary uh, like clips of it being sold at Barnes and Noble and stuff. Mm. So if I walked in there and I saw a new age, you know, yoga book by someone named Osho, yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay, no cool. Yeah. 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 But behind that, if this is, it's really Baguan, his, his teachings just rebranded. And it's sold, yeah. I mean, you can go Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever. Look, if that guy's not permanently canceled, nobody is, right? Just change your name, come back. Guess so. Yeah. Mm. Time heals all day. Apparently. Who owns it now? Like a family member? Or? I don't know. I wonder who runs it. Look, you're asking too many questions, pal. I have an inquisitive mind, Mike. I like to know things. It's not really important, I guess. As far as the documentary was concerned, his lawyer that represented him through a lot of this stuff is like still a full believer in this. Mm. And he called him Osho the whole time. So I wonder if he still okay. represents something that has to do with that. He was still wearing red and maroon for the filming. Isn't there a college football team that has red, red and maroon? It's Arkansas? No. I want to say it's like a West Virginia Red and maroon? Like a yeah, something ugly like that. Hmm. I don't don't watch college sports. So rewind a bit and follow up on Ma Anand Sheila and what happened to her. After fleeing to Europe and going into hiding, Sheila posed nude for a German magazine and was paid very well for the photos. And it was like this big controversial thing. And it sold a ton of magazines. That's nice. I have a good body. She's happy with it, Ian. She was happy. Not very controversial in her mind. Uh, She did this because she was running out of money to stay on the run. But this resulted in Sheila and Pooja being arrested in West Germany on October 28th, 1985. Maybe she didn't embezzle all the money then. She was broke. Hmm. At least according to her and how she was living and things. Interesting. This Pooja woman is interesting, too, because remember how I said that there were um, the celebrity kind of people that were getting involved in that woman was getting closer. I think you specifically said Cher and Farrah Fawcett. Right. Those were two of them. Well, the the third person in that in that whole thing was this guy. Dean Martin. It was Dean Martin. He was working as uh, Bequan's doctor. (laughs) And according to Sheila, she said that there were plans to have for Bhagwan to euthanize himself in front of everybody as this some kind of grand finale ritual kind of thing. Mm. So Sheila talked this Pooja woman into stabbing the doctor with <laughs> uh, a syringe with stuff that would kill him inside of it. It didn't work out, but people think that that was more that jealousy stuff. Yeah that but um but that's what Pooja was uh, arrested for was that attempted murder of Bhagwan's doctor after negotiations they were extradited to the United States reaching Portland on February 6 1986 they were charged with attempting to murder Bhagwan's personal physician like we said the first degree assault for poisoning a judge 
second degree assault for poisoning the Dow's commissioner, Raymond Matthews, and product tampering for the poisons of the Dow's, as well as wiretapping and immigration charges. On July 22nd, 1986, both women entered Alfred pleas for the Salmonella attack and the other charges and received sentences ranging from three to 20 years to be served concurrently. Sheila received 20 years for the attempted murder of Baguan's physician, 20 years for first degree assault and poisoning Judge Hall's, 10 years for second degree assault and poisoning of Commissioner Matthews, four and a half years for her role in the attack, and four and a half years for wiretapping conspiracy, and five years probation for immigration fraud. Pooja received four sentences. Uh, 15, another 15, seven and a half, and a four and a half, as well as three years probation for wiretapping conspiracy. Both Sheila and Pooja were released on parole early for good behavior after serving 29 months of their sentences. Sheila's green card was revoked and she moved to Switzerland. She got remarried and she currently runs two nursing homes in Switzerland. That's her way of getting She should back. be caring for people. Yeah. 29 months. Yep. Like literally the biggest domestic terrorist, you know, in the history of this country. It, it's weird watching her talk because she, she's pretty likable when she's not in that like whole, you know, dictator mode. Mm-hmm. She's pretty likable. And it's like, she's kind of funny. Yeah. And you, you're almost like, did her brain just break? Yeah. And she was yeah. so committed to him or, it happens, right? You know, like, because I don't know if she was the real cult leader, if she was just so obsessed with him and just took it way too far. Way too far. Was he fucking her? I don't know. Mm. Supposedly not. But there were a bunch of out. There were allegations of her bringing women to him. Mm. But then that in that kind of. Unless that that what she called a Hollywood woman was bringing him women too like she wasn't actually you know with him she was just kind of taking sheila's role yeah was it lindsey wagner the bionic woman no okay we're gonna hit one one of these days <laughs> some point he's gonna be I'm like to think of 80s stuff <laughs> it wasn't madonna probably no mm. I thought you said it was Cher and there was like no debate on this. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty clear. She was one of the two. Okay. Was a in few Farrah of them, right? Wasn't there two and then a, a third one? A doctor. Yeah. And that was Dean Martin. Yeah. Steubenville's own. Yeah. Dean Martin. Fucking we'll Dean Martin Boulevard down there. Yeah. That he loves fucking uncooked pizza. I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, I don't know. Motherfuckers are you know, in prison for life or selling an ounce of weed and yeah. this cunts out after 29 months selling her titties for millions of dollars. Mm. It's a crazy story. It doesn't seem real. No, it absolutely doesn't. Especially when you get to the part about that, they actually had the right to arrest people mm-hmm. for criminal charges. Yeah. That doesn't seem real at all, but that could happen. I mean, what if, what if our town, what if, you know, most per, uh, Small minority of people join this crazy church and they're like, oh. what if fuckos of God came over from Watts? Yeah. <laughs> that's Try our plan to infiltrate over. and win elections. And 
What do you do? I mean, us. there was we're the last message out of this town to be like, hey, <laughs> SOS. That's right. There's the three of us hunkered down in a basement. If you if you send look Miller up. Light, send Miller Light. If you look up that group, the Restored Church of God, there's multiple threads online of a solid group of people in Wadsworth that were concerned for a bit with how many houses they were buying. Absolutely. But what do you do? I mean, yeah. How do you stop it? I'm not sure you can. Because Ma and Sheila was giving those people more money than their houses were worth. Yeah, exactly. A lot of them were like, yeah, we don't want to give in, but it's a lot of money. We're antelopians through and through, <laughs> but that's a lot of money. Yeah, I find it hard to believe just reading all this. It's just uh, it's nutty. Bunch of nutters out there. And they, they tried to warn people like, you know, politicians in Oregon. And remember last week we talked about the, the videotaping of the violent yoga and that stuff. Yeah. It was taken to a movie theater there and like aired an antelope. Like it was like this premiere movie. And it was the, a German guy that filmed it and like infiltrated that. And mm -hmm. they played it for the people of antelope. And it's like, that's who this is. Like you need yeah. to warn people. You need to get Oof. someone to get him out of here. So eventually when all this, all these people are gone, I believe they renamed the town antelope and yeah, there's video of them like more, yeah. bashing the signs down and shit. <laughs> but the, the ranch was bought by a evangelical Christian organization. Oh, that's safer. It's like split. I can't remember what something but the um, it's shared by this evangelical. So they're still there. Yeah, today oh. it's like a youth camp type okay. thing. The guy, a guy that was a big player in um, a resident of Antelope that still lives there. Mm. He said it's like they gave up the cult for another car, sold to a cult to another cult kind of thing. Yeah, I'm sure. And he said something like, "At least this one's not violent." You know, <laughs> it's kind of stated themselves yeah, over there. All right, we final thoughts. We kind of summed them up just there. You guys got anything else? I think these people are terrorists and uh, they got off rather light. Especially Bhagwan, that they just kicked him out yeah. and said, don't come back. Well, I mean, maybe the view was they didn't want him to be a martyr in this country and someone made a decision that we're better off if we just get this fucking clown out of the country and wash our hands of him. Which I can see that point of view, I guess. I don't know. There was a real concern with the amount of guns there that there was going to be something either shoot out with them or mm. somebody was going to end up getting killed in a just a Waco type situation. Yeah. There yeah. would be something bad was going to happen. Yeah. And there was also the concern about a Jonestown situation too. There's a lot of news interviews with people and Ma and Sheila mm. actually being questioned on camera. If this was another Jonestown mm -hmm. or if it could end like that, you got thousands of people in a cult just stuck in one little area. Yeah. A couple right. years after Jonestown, it's like, uh, here we go again. Stay away from cults. That's my advice to people. It's not good. Keep your cash. That's what I said about that yoga stuff, you know, yoga classes and new age crystal stores like the one right up here. I've, a lot of those places are like a hop, skip and jump away <laughs> from being a cult. I, you, I have no idea what crystal store you're talking about. One up uh, here, yeah. We, if you've discussed, it's like this, a I new age out. store here. Yeah, hmm. they have cool stuff in there, but you stop going there, motherfucker. You just warned yourself about going. No, there. I mean, I like it, they have they have cool stuff. Go 
cool stuff there, but he's like, I don't mean me, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I would never me. do that. Next thing you know, we're fucking doing up 15 parts <laughs> on whatever his new beliefs are. <laughs> I think I said that before that the, the people that work there, it's like either they're aspiring to start a cult or they had previously been in a cult yeah. at one point. Yeah. Well, there goes any sponsorship from that. <laughs> Fuck. All right. What happened to the Rolls Royce? collection i'm sure the government just said those Mm. are ours now it's usually how stuff like that works right local fbi agents now rolling (laughs) up (laughs) there's a bunch of them there's 93 we got a a fleet (laughs) i won this at the uh, company picnic (laughs) (laughs) give them out as like christmas bonuses to uh, local agents that's right or they should have gave them, passed them out to the antelopes. They put up with give a lot them of all shit. Give them all they, they would have had 30 <laughs> left over. He had what, 93? Yeah. There was 60 residents? Exactly. Even less when this all ended because everybody. Because yeah, they either killed moved. them or they forced them to move or they, they fucking. <laughs> probably three out. people left. Yeah. Who's going to so, stick What are they doing with those other 90 Rolls Royces? <laughs> I mean, there's only five or six people from that town that were interviewed for the documentary. I mean, mm. I'm sure there were more, but probably not many. The way it sounded was Half like, I'm still probably throwing up from Salmon out. <laughs> <laughs> the way it sounded was like, there were only about that many left that everybody I'm had sure. sold. It's going to stick around for that shit. Especially when they're paying over market prices for your house. Yeah. Look, you can't be eating at salad bars also. You just can't nowadays. I will not. Actually, you shouldn't have bars anymore. No. You shouldn't have back then either. Buffets like buffet? in general. Like even buffets in general. And I'm guilty of it too. But it's just you're an idiot for doing it. And I admit that I've done it. I agree. You know, you, you just, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. And I'm a big, I used to be a big fan of Chinese buffets. Like you just fucking awesome. Pizza Hut had a really good buffet back, back in the day. When oh, we were yeah. kids. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That it was, was real good. <laughs> Even when I was in like going to community college for a bit there, the one Pizza Hut still had like the buffet. Style. Yeah, I used to go all the Man. time. But it's lunch. just like, just think about what, like, that's not OK. Don't yeah. do it. Nope. Don't do salad bars anymore. Like, just not let them bring it to you. It's worth the wait. At least there's only one person then handling your food you need to worry about. Oh. I completely agree. A hundred percent. I never really thought about it, to be honest. I haven't been to and I, I know I'm the guy that eats gas station hot dogs, but even now. Yeah, like those are sitting out forever. I know, but I draw the line at like, like I always take from the back where like people's hands aren't reaching over necessarily. Also, I don't eat there that much, like as much as, you know, it probably seems like I do. Yeah. But I don't know, like when you go to places that are only that, like not everyone who walks into a gas station is fucking grabbing food. They're yeah. grabbing, you know, beer or paying for their gas or chips or whatever. When you're going to a buffet, people are there to take food. How many hundreds of people pass by that each yeah. day? And like a salad bar is one thing, but if you think about like those hometown buffet or old country buffet and the disgusting people, like all putting their, <laughs> well, their disgusting hands in that food. Because I it's mean, even worse. Like awful. it's not just salad. Now it's your entire meal. It's Everything. Just scooped yeah. onto your plate. I ate it. Actually, I'm think, trying to think about like my buffet experiences. I ate at one in uh, Amish country down in Sugar Creek. Like, nope. nope. Like two or three years ago. <laughs> My last buffet, I think I told you, the Chinese place, the Chinese place in Parma. Uh, I think you used to go there, Dave. I know what you're talking about. Back in the day. But it's been about five or six years. 
I've matured since then. If we never had this conversation, I would have probably done it to be honest. Like if you sent me back. Yeah. If like, if you sent me down to Amish country to that restaurant, I'd be like, Oh yeah, all right. I'll get the buffet. (laughs) Nope. Now I'm questioning it. I'll be honest. I went to the Chinese buffet a couple months ago. You You just told me about a sushi buffet place or no, that's all you can eat. Whoa, whoa. Sorry. You get a menu, you Ooh. check off what you I want. don't want sushi that's been sitting on a buffet. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Made fresh to order. They bring it out on a tray. Who was telling me about a sushi buffet that was all right? But in my head, I was like, no, that should never happen. The buffet I used to go to serve sushi, but it wasn't on the buffet. Yeah, I mean, it was somebody else who's telling me about this. Did we cancel buffet tonight? I think we canceled. I, I, I think so. Yeah. All right. Although I was just on that cruise and I ate from a couple of buffets too. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed really clean though. He is extremely salmonella. <laughs> Look, I can give good advice. I don't always follow it. Come yeah. on. For the record, everyone, Dave also talks to police without an attorney present. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not a criminal. <laughs> he just says, hey, how you doing at the Dunkin' Donuts every morning? <laughs> Except there's beer in my Dunkin' Donuts cup when I'm a passenger <laughs> in my car. Because you're drinking mutual, it. You have a mutual agreement with them. That's right. <laughs> All right. We got some patron shout outs. Thank you very much to Ryan Bosworth, Christina Peterson, Dick Raphael, Ainsley Hunt, Ava Giner, <laughs> Jasmine Moss, <laughs> Grant Evans, Maggie Baumgardner. Kara Murphy, JoJo303, Justin D, Carissa Davis, Chris Brim, Alan Begg, Joe Worthen, Bran Floor, Carly Davis, Tyler Pofal, Pofal, Yvonne Valenti Cleary, Samantha Moore, James Rex, Micah France, Curbivore One, Ash Goody, Lucy Frey, Aaron Richmond, Allison C., Allie Jakey, Melanie Dresser, Caitlin Hawkins, Travis J. Adzik, L. Hale, Naomi Cottrell, Kara Guitar, Tori Bauer, Milana, Keaton, Mason Garcia, Katie, Lord of the Hips, Andrew Songi, Jeremy Filippi, Kellyanne Spate, Matthew Cuff, Christina Spaz Warner, Kelly Cam, Ryan Poole, Hayden H, Amanda Lee, Purple White Claw 666, <laughs> Cindy Meyer, Jess, Amber GK, Aaron Bell, Mitchie, Bradley Crumpton, Mia Cynthia. Thank you all very much. We're at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I've one for Jen Graham 43. Steely T, Kara Guitar, Now Bar, That Old Goat, El Chapo, 2016, Me Only Me, and A-Hole Bubbles. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Dave, what do you got? Hey, Steely T, this is Dave you, talking. You can tune out now. You don't have to listen. For a Just tune out for a little bit. Mike, I got a review here in Canada. They want to know if you're a real Oilers fan or if you're just ripping on them. Is that a real question? Yeah, from Jen B in Florida. I fucking love the Oilers. In Florida. In Canada. Sorry. (laughs) 
So they want to know they weren't sure if you were being oh. uh, facetious or not. I am a diehard Edmonton Oilers fan. There I you go. There you go, Gen B. I do not miss a game even while recording. It's usually why I'm tuned out watching the Oilers on my phone. This is true. Recording. <laughs> it's like, hey, fuck up. <laughs> Put together some notes you might want to take a gander at. No, I am a legit Oilers fan. All right. Love them. There you go. I have one retraction a couple weeks ago. I said, uh, stand by your man, Loretta Lynn. Tammy, why not? Sorry about that. People let me know I was wrong. And I legit have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> I don't either. Like, is that music or movies? Yeah. Or stand, by, stand by your man. Yeah. <laughs> I said it was Loretta Lynn. That's the coal miner's daughter. And it's Tammy Wynette. That's stand by your man. I meant I don't remember that being brought up or uh, that being said. I'm glad you cleared it up for the people. That yeah, I, you know, I don't like throwing misinformation out there. Yeah. I, I get my rocks off by doing it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all I got. All right. Steely T, you're back up. Listen again. Tune back in. All right. Uh, we have a new email address so you can stop fucking messaging us requests for the show. I'm sorry, we get a ton of them. Too many. We have over five years worth of material lined up. If you have a request, inquiries at necronomapod.com. Send it there. You can also send us comments, messages, general inquiries, and your topic requests all at that website or uh, that email address. Um, you want to spell inquiries for the people listening in Alabama, Mike? Nope. I want them to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> we'll see if they get it right. Um, it just got to the point where we like all of our like messages just started being requests. So, you know, send it to an email. It's easier to hit delete all from there. <laughs> this guy. Uh, anyways, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, Amazon.com, search Necronomapod, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Did I get it all? I think I did. Sounds about right. Okay. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.